I have wondered for the longest time about how to start this conversation, about how to start to talk about this. So I don't know any other way than to just jump right in. So for those who know me personally, people who know me in real life, know about my story, parts of it, or what's public of it, and people who follow me on social media don't. So I want to bring this to the table because it's something that has been a part of my life for the last several years, and it's something that I have been occupied with, working on, working through, studying, understanding, wrapping my head and heart around for quite some time. And it's it's safe to say that I am full to the brim with it, and it's time to talk about it. The issue that I'm talking about is the issue of heartbreak. It's the issue of betrayal. It's the issue of becoming a new part of who I am and rebuilding myself after overcoming that. And this is something that I kind of spoke about through speaking about heartbreak, through speaking about it on Honesty Talk. It's something that I've worked with women when it comes to, you know, I get the calls, you know, somebody's facing this situation, you know, they found out about, you know, their husband told them that he'd been secretly married for X amount of years, or they found out that he has a whole nother family in another country, or he just um, is telling them that he's deciding that he wants to start looking because he wants to get married or that um, he's come out of what feels like for them the middle of nowhere and said that he wants a divorce because he is not in love with them anymore or he's come out and said that he's fallen in love with someone else and that that's where he sees himself and that he's no longer invested in being with them anymore. Um, You know, a hundred different ways to present the same feeling, the same situation that this woman is now left in this position where she's absolutely devastated. Her entire world, as she knows it, has just come crumbling down what she thought her life was, was a complete lie, a fallacy. She's got to go back now and recalculate and re-examine and rethink and revisit and attach a different meaning to everything that she ever thought about the life that she knew. And all of that happens in a split second when this information comes to light, however it does, whether that means that they're you know, their spouse tells them or someone else tells them or they find out or however it comes, the discovery happens. But the moment it happens, nothing is ever the same again. Not their marriage, not their life, not their situation, not who they are as people. All of it is changed forever. So this uh, set of episodes of the podcast are going to be talking about navigating this, this minefield that is betrayal and heartbreak and dealing with the aftermath of infidelity, physical, emotional, without being specific. It is the emotion that I'm talking about, and I'm not 
here to have arguments about uh, religious differences or points of view. This is not a conversation about halal and haram. This is not a conversation about is it allowed technically for a man to do X, Y, Z? Is it allowed technically? Has he really done anything wrong? This is not a textbook debate. And for people who want to have textbook debates, there are tons of people out there who would be happy to oblige. You know, go on Facebook. There are tons of people who just have nothing better to do. But I have no interest in that. And I really want to focus on the aftermath of the incident. And I'm focusing on the women who are left in the wake of the carnage, who are left to face and deal with what has just happened, despite what the community has to say about it or what other people think of it or make of it or use to gloss over or dismiss the situation or make light of it. Um, there's still someone left holding this on her own, usually, um, you know, when you're lucky, then you have the support of people around you who understand what you're going through. And sometimes culturally it's dismissed as well. Like this happens, whatever, like, you know, you're not the first person, you're not the last person, get over it kind of attitude. Um, and I want to spend, you know, some episodes of the podcast talking about this because it's something that isn't addressed and it's something that wherever you look, you know, from a religious perspective and you're trying to to make sense of this. Is there any justice? How can this happen? How is this right? You know, why would God allow this to happen? Why would God make this permissible? Is this, is this the correct way? Is this what on earth is going on? And whenever there's a, a religious conversation around this, it usually has to do with what is allowed. A man is allowed to do X, Y, Z. A man is allowed. And there's a lot of emphasis on the woman when it comes to staying and tolerating and being patient and getting to paradise. And, you know, this is just your test. So just deal with it. Or, you know, a man is allowed to do that and women are just jealous. Ha 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 ha. So it's very dismissive. It doesn't focus on the realities of what it means for a person to live with the aftermath of losing trust and the aftermath of the pain that comes from this. You know, looking at how this can impact your religion, it can impact your connection to God, to yourself, obviously to your, your relationship, your spouse, your children, your family, it can just completely take over your life, you know, for a person to be living in a state of absolute misery for years on end for the sake of being married or for the sake of not having the community talk or whatever it is, whatever the reasoning is to keep the house together for the kids. There, there are a million things that factor into the calculation and it's not something that's taken lightly. There are people on both sides when it comes to talking about polygamy or when it comes to talking about, you know, this, this, uh, plural marriage in Islam, there are people who are pro who are, you know, say it's the most amazing thing in the world and I'm totally happy and I never have any problems and I'm never jealous and it's so easy and I'm so blessed and who wants a man in their face anyway. And then there's people on the other side who are like, it's the absolute worst thing in the world. It's not even allowed. The Quran is being misinterpreted. You know, there's, there's extremes on both sides. And I think an honest conversation needs to be had about the reality on the ground the reality of what's happening, how things are being handled without us getting into a, a, a religious debate. 
let's talk about the execution. Let's talk about how this is being done. Let's talk about the responsibilities. Let's talk about the emotional carnage that is left in the wake of this. There's, there are so many people who are involved with the process, so many people who weigh in, people who get to have their say, people who interfere, who there's, there are many players involved. It's not simply the two people who are married to each other and what happens to them when someone else enters the picture. There's a larger dynamic going on. And it's really, really important to, without attacking anyone, to look at this thing, to really look at it and have an honest conversation about it. One of the most prevalent things that I've come across when I'm working with women is that they question their own response. They question their own emotions. So they will say, should I be upset? Like, I know it's allowed in the religion, so why am I hurting so badly? Why do I feel like I can't trust him? Why do I feel like... You know, this person stabbed me in the back. This person was a friend. This person was a neighbor. This person was, you know, somebody who was in our community. This is someone who knew me, you know, the woman. And then their own husband who would lie to them or do this behind their back or, or hide it from them and then reveal it later on or who she would discover had done something and so on and so forth. Are my emotions valid? Is it okay that I feel angry? Like, does that make me bad? Because as a believer, shouldn't I be unruffled by this? Shouldn't I be able to tolerate it? You know, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ were able to handle this and they were, you know, able to just get along and make it work. So the fact that I'm gravely unhappy, that I'm in pain, that I'm miserable, that I'm suffering in this, does that mean that my faith is not enough or that there's something wrong with me? You know, that... That is, you know, them questioning their own emotion, their own response, their own gut instinct to to feel to feel that sense that they they are repulsed by what they're what they're being faced with. That that's something that they question. Like, is this okay? Is this, like is this normal? What I'm feeling. That's a big part of it. Another part that comes up is now the social implications of it, whether it's secret or whether it's public, you know, both of them have their difficulties. In the secret instance, it, it feels as if this woman is holding the weight of her world, the world on her shoulders. And in order to protect her husband's reputation or in order to, you know, avoid further humiliation or problem with, with the in-laws or for whatever reason, she's being obligated to keep this entire thing a secret on top of the pain that she's going through which may mean that she's not able to reach out for support which may mean that she can't open up to the closest people family members about it which may mean that she's going to be trapped in her own head dealing with this on her own you know holding on to a secret on top of that um on the other side when it's a public thing there is the humiliation aspect of it there is you know having your name be in people's mouths the gossip um the community uh people who basically were haters finally have an opportunity to say something about you or to um to blame you for what's happening you know obviously she couldn't keep a man or obviously you know she's done something wrong or something was missing it's because you know she's educated it's because she's not educated it's because she doesn't work and it was too much or because she does work and she must be neglecting her duties at home it's because it's because so people you know weighing in on why they think this happened or what is happening and really it's a lot of speculation it's a lot of fear 
because at the heart of it, you know, to put it quite bluntly, most women who are married or who hope to be married, even girls, this is their worst nightmare that they are betrayed in this way, that they go through this heartbreak and devastation and have to face this new reality that what they thought was real and true was not what they thought it was. And that is, it's extremely hard. So I understand the aversion, but at the same time, it's funny because when someone goes through the very thing that you fear and dread for yourself, instead of there being support, instead of there being compassion, there's this, this distancing and gossip. So if I blame you and say it must be something that you did wrong or something that's your fault or you can't keep a man or something's wrong with you, then I'm somehow making myself immune because I don't have the same fault that you have. I don't have that flaw. I haven't taken the same action or made the same decisions you have. So I must be now immune and protecting myself. It's like they're creating a psychological buffer between themselves and you because you've been through it because something's wrong with you. But me, I'm not in that category. So clearly it hasn't happened to me. So this is, you know, at a time when people need the absolute most support, they find that their own community will be the people who will turn on, will turn on them. People who will, um, who will literally find joy in the fact that things are happening to you. People who are just excited to have some hot gossip, people who use it, you know, it's just some dinnertime conversation for them. It's just the latest thing that's happened until someone else is afflicted in some way. And then that's what we're going to talk about, um, to just, you know, have some, something to bond over some gossip to bond over and that, you know, that you reduce someone's pain and someone's difficulty to just having something to chat about and to run your mouth about. And it is, you know, Islamically speaking, we are taught about the hadith of ifk, the story of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala and how when she's accused and how the community responded to that. And you just see, you really get to see who people are and what they're made of when something happens to you like this. It becomes so clear. It really becomes so clear. Your people who are in your corner, your your best friends, your crew, your support team, they come through for you hard. They stand they have your back. They they support you. They hold vigil for you. They pray for you. They uplift you. They're in your corner. The people who are not real, the people who are not really your friends, who don't love you, who don't care about you, they will take the chance to kick you while you're down. They really will. And there's no two ways about it. And I'm not one for, um, you know, chit chat and nonsense. And I don't, I don't, um, I'm not down for the hypocrisy. If, if I'm close to you, I'm close. If you're an acquaintance, I was never one to kind of dilly dally too much with people. But really when this happened, I was able to see how people acted and what they did. And for me, it is a very clear line. If you were on the wrong side of the line, in my estimation, I want nothing to do with you. I need nothing from you. Really, I have no use for people who will smile in your face and behind your back, they will kick you while you're down. And, and it, just, it just proves to show that when something happens to you when, you, when you're put in difficulty, then it really separates the boys from the men. You can see who your people are and you can see who is, is just hanging around for whatever reason or who's just 
a convenience type of friend, a fair weather friend or, or, or someone who, you know, or acquaintance or whatever it is, you know, and for the people who are facing this, for the women who are going through this, I tell you that it is one of the most bitter, difficult, you know, crushing experiences to go through especially if you have, you know, children to look after, you have responsibilities, you have, you can't exactly just stop and take the time to pick yourself back up, which, which you must eventually do, but you still have to be strong and you still have to keep it together. You know, these women who are going through this are such warriors. There are some who cannot reach out. They have locked themselves in their own minds, battling with this emotionally, psychologically in every way possible it makes them physically ill dealing with this and they feel that they have to do it on their own and i'm here to tell you that you don't have to do it on your own you can reach out you can speak to someone you can get support the 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 shame the humiliation the the way you're ostracized by the community um like you have a disease you know like something's something you have is contagious um, you know, the way people uh, start acting when it happens, even the fact that people will choose sides or, you know, between spouses, people will choose sides. If you have acquaintances in common, you'll find that there's this split, there's this rift that, that can happen. So much can go on. The bottom line is that this happens, it's extremely prevalent. And because of, you know, keeping up appearances, fear of shame, uh, gossip, what are people going to say if people know we have to keep it a secret or, you know, just trying to avoid facing the community about it because of how terrible it is for the person who's going through it. They tend to suffer alone, but it is extremely prevalent. It's just not something that we talk about, but it's something that happens a lot. I'm speaking for the UK, obviously in other countries, it's part of the culture a lot more. So people kind of don't really make anything of it. It's kind of just, it happens. Um, uh, but in the West, it's, it's still, um, I think, something that has to be processed and handled. It's not that straightforward. Um, and yeah, in the Muslim community, it's something that's not spoken about because we as Muslims have, you know, it's the, it's the you know, read the pamphlet. As Muslims, we don't free mix and, you know, we dress this way to cover our modesty and we should, you know, have these proper, you know, gender interactions and read, you know, we read the pamphlet to people as, you know, Islam protects us from these ills of society and so on and so forth. Islam does protect us and Islam does. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did teach us and did give us guidance and instruction on this. But as human beings, Muslims who are not actively following that guidance you know who who it's not part of their actual character and lifestyle choices are the ones who make way for this to happen it's not because there's a discrepancy or uh, a fault in the code of conduct of islam or the teachings of the faith it is in people not doing what the faith taught them to do is where the lapse comes from and I'm not talking about people who are practicing versus not practicing. This happens with the long beards and the thobes and the people who can pronounce ayn and ha and say inshallah and mashallah and the long khimar and the short skirt and they're all, it happens in every category, in every type of people. There's no one who's exempt. 
You know, just because someone is practicing doesn't mean that they wouldn't do this or that they're immune. A lot of these cases come out to the public where people will talk about abuse of power, where, you know, people who are in positions of leadership are, are, are using and abusing people who are vulnerable. They are, you know, getting close to them when they're in a position of trust as counselors or advisors or, you know, people who they come to with their problems and they're taking advantage of these people. And when this information hits the public, there's a big backlash and people are in disbelief. How could this religious person, how could this decent person, how could this person with such a, a great reputation in the community who's respected, you know, who's a person of knowledge, who recites the Qur'an, who's a teacher, how could this person, they can't, they can't reconcile between what they're being accused of and who their public persona is. But it's very, very important that we understand people's humanity, people's fallibility. They are human beings and any human being is capable of doing absolutely anything at all. You can never, you can never swear on someone and say, I guarantee you this person would never do that. You have no idea. People are tested under the right conditions, under the right circumstances, people could do absolutely anything. Yes, there's a backstory. Yes, there's context. Yes, there's reasoning. But people are capable of doing anything. You cannot write anyone off as an absolute. There are no angels here. There are no angels here. So just putting that kind of laying the foundation for this, that this happens, it is very real. You know, community-wise, people can say, yes, this is halal. A man is allowed to remarry. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's not obligated to tell his first wife. And people can have a debate and say, yes, he must. And there must be a witness and it must be public. And it's a secret marriage. And it's like this. And this whole thing can become a massive argument. Um, leave all of that aside for the people who want to argue. What I'm talking about is now this thing has occurred. Now this, this problem has landed. This discovery has happened. Now the old reality is shattered. Now this woman is left holding the bag. She's facing this pain. She's got to deal with this new reality and try and find some way to rebuild herself, to find what she wants to do, to decide on how this is going to play out for her and to attach a meaning to it that maintains her sense of identity, her sense of faith, her connection to her Lord. How does this rebuilding process occur? Let's talk about this in the coming episodes, inshallah. And until then, Jazakum Allah khairan for listening, and I look forward to sharing more. Yalla, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.